the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together again. Hope you had a great weekend. And uh, it is uh, the summer's going well for people. I know a lot of folks are traveling out and about and a lot of vacations going on. Good on you, as the uh, Aussies say. In fact, last week I did an interview on Australian uh, radio TNT, it's called, a radio network uh, in Australia. The host is a well-known guy named Chris Smith, and he has been a, a host kind of a, a on the scene for decades in uh, Australia, in Sydney, and Queensland. And he does a show, and he had me on, and it was I did well enough. We had a great conversation. They asked me to come on every two weeks. I'll be on in Australia. Huge in Australia. Uh, great guy. So that was fun. I have some great memories of Australia. I, I went there in uh, 2017 for about 10 days. And then when I was uh, in 1992, when I was, uh, I guess, 1993, I was out of uh, college. I spent seven weeks in Australia. It's an amazing place. Very easy to travel there as an American. It kind of feels like America with some funny accents and a little different uh, uh, geography. So um, anyway, good on you. But um what are we talking about today? Uh, in a few minutes, we'll talk with Cheryl Chumley, my friend from the Washington Times. She is a super insightful, interesting woman, writer, uh, editor, and now a podcaster. And we will also uh, spend a few moments and catch up uh, with Cynthia Hughes of the Patriot Freedom Project. Get a J6 update later this week. There is a January 6th hearing, January 6th hearing uh, and uh, one of the subcommittees is meeting to do some oversight. Uh, we'll see what they find out. So that will all be great, and uh, we'll look forward to that. All right, what do you need to know today? Well, uh, they, here's the thing. Hypocrisy, as I've told you, is not a distinguishing characteristic. So let me set this up and set this up by saying Mark Pauletta is a very respected guy. He's a, a partner at a big law firm. Um, he is a, uh, a well-known, um, lawyer. I think in the Trump administration, he was the general counsel over at OMB, the Office of Management and Budget, which is a very complicated job, uh, because OMB is very complicated has to do with the budgets and spending and all. Uh, he served in the White House under, I think, George W. Bush, H.W. Bush. Anyway, he's a well-known guy around the, uh, the swamp. Not a swamp guy, but around the swamp. But he also is uh, well known for a book he wrote. And the book is called Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in His Own Words. And it's actually a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a, a misnomer because, uh, Mark Poletta, it, it really was an interview, a series of interviews, uh, with, um, with, uh, uh, Clarence Thomas and, so it's really his own words, but Mark Poletta has a long history and is uh, a very close friend and a, and a, uh, a confidant of Clarence Thomas. And so it was a, a wonderful and important and sort of necessary, uh, guy to be able to get, um, someone like that to open up and, and to be able to talk about, uh, uh, the issues and, uh, and to be so, uh, comfortable. And that is, uh, what Mark Poletta did anyway. So Mark Poletta is a well-known guy, very well-respected. Everybody likes him. I think people just 
generally think he's one of the nicer guys around uh, and is well respected and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, and oh, he worked at one point, he worked in the um, uh, Pence's office too. So he's been all over the place. He's not particularly known as an ideologue or a a firebrand. He's just a, a good old fashioned conservative guy. Well, he has a series. He's been really deeply, deeply uh, hurt, I would say, uh, offended by what they've tried to do to Clarence Thomas in the last uh, six months, a little bit less, actually. So he has a thread on Twitter and and the thread. So basically, he's been saying, Paulette has been saying uh, publicly, um, sort of in defense of Clarence Thomas, hold on. They have rules in the in the Supreme Court. He abides by them. Why are you targeting him? You're not targeting other people. What's the double standard? He was talking about this with regard to judges. You know, it, it, it cannot be that just because you're a Supreme Court judge, you have to lose your friends. It cannot be that just because you're a Supreme Court judge, you have to give up uh, friends who happen to be rich. Uh, which is sort of what the, the dynamic was. And it can't even be the Supreme Court justices, all of them, both party appointees. They go on these uh, uh, trips where they teach courses and they get paid a decent amount of money. None of that can be illegal. It just can't be. The system can't allow that, right? You can't. You don't lose your life because you're on the Supreme Court. And more importantly, it applies equally to everybody. Well, here comes Pauletta, Mark Pauletta on Twitter at Mark Pauletta, P A O L E T T A, and it's a wonderful uh, thread. It's 12 tweets long, and it basically takes to task, not basically, it takes to task Senator Durbin and Senator Whitehouse, who have this sort of uh, political stunt, which they call an ethics law, but it's just a political stunt meant to try to be nasty to Clarence Thomas. And it's all these rules. And here's the best part about it. All these ethics rules, right? This is going to be this amazing ethics rule and all that. But the great thing about it is, as Pauletta points out, Congress, the members of Congress are the most exempt from any of these rules of anybody you could have. They're the most. And, and again, they're not just hypocritical. They're just plain nasty. But even better, when you look at it, you say to yourself, holy cow. You know, this this law that they're proposing, which is a political stunt that, you know, do you know that how the House and Senate are, are are exempt from FOIA, from Freedom of Information? They don't have to disclose any of that because they don't want to. They don't want to. They don't have any rules about recusal at all because they don't want to. So you can have a wife who is trading in whatever you can have a brother who is trading in whatever is doing whatever other other than rules that apply to people who are lobbyists. There's no uh, uh, application to the House member or the Senate member to act differently. And all Pauletta points out is you guys are just such hypocrites. You guys are just such hypocrites. And and he points out that Senator Durbin complains and justifies this by saying that the court has a low approval rating, 37 percent. And he says that we really need an ethics bill because of the approval rating. And Congress's approval rating is about 16 percent. If that's what your judge is. If your judges, if you're, ju- if you're, if you're, if, if the, you are judging whether something is valid based on the approval rating, well, you're in deep trouble if you're the Congress. Anyway, of course they're not. Of course they're not. And of course it's hypocritical. And of course it's a political stunt and it doesn't matter. But I'll tell you this. Insofar as guys like Durbin and White House are willing to drag the Supreme Court down 
and willing to spend their time and be aided by the media and by big tech in saying, oh, yeah, we need an ethics. Uh, we need an ethics law for the court. As, as In other words, as long as they're willing to tarnish the institution, which is what they're doing, all they're ensuring is that drain the swamp is is expanding in its scope because I'm glad my, Mark Paletta's is fighting back. Because the real swamp that needs to be drained is Congress. The real swamp that needs to be drained is also the executive branch. It's not so much the Supreme Court. I, I Look, I'm for more transparency, but I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I mean, the bigger problem is that Congress and the executive have so much money and so much power. And so the Supreme Court is ruling on so many things, uh, such a large scope. That's the increase in its power. If you could limit government, if you could limit the size and scope of government through Congress, through the executive branch, you'd go a long way to be limiting the power of of the Supreme Court because there wouldn't be as many incredibly complex pieces of litigation to adjudicate. So that's the way to fix it. But I got to tell you, drain the swamp is coming. Drain the swamp. If there is anything that I can feel, and, you know, I, I, I was a part of the Tea Party. That really swelled in 08, 09. It was really 09, right? It was 09 is when the Tea Party was swelling nine into 10. It culminated in some ways. It crested with the 2010 election. I'm not sure that it really continued on into 12. Obama, uh, Obama sort of backstopped it in terms of national politics, but at the local level and at the state level, that was a tra- that was a Tea Party. Uh, what's coming is drain the swamp. What is coming in 2024 is drain the swamp. If you are in office, it's the old example, the old example. 2016, Donald Trump won Missouri, the state of Missouri, by 16 points over Hillary Clinton. And Roy Blunt, who had been in office for decades and was a Republican, and in that year, that year was running against a woman named Robin Carnahan, very liberal. He only won by 1.5%. Because he had been in office so long, she could run on drain the swamp. And she tried. Of course, she was herself from the Carnahan family. Her mother had been a senator. Her brother was a congressman. Her dad had been governor. So she wasn't exactly outside of the swamp. But if she tried and it was working. And my point is, that's what's coming. It is coming in 2024. It will be a drain the swamp election. And guys like Durbin and White House, their colleagues more than them. I don't know if they're up for election this time. And they're in such safe states. It's probably hard to imagine. Those pe- the, the people they're going to face, they are going to face a incredible onslaught from people that voters that want to drain the swamp. That is what's coming. Like you can see it. I, I can feel it. And it's 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 not even beginning. It's not even getting close to cresting. You watch. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Cheryl Chumley, Cynthia Hughes. Back in a moment. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Go visit ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for the daily email right there. Be right Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. My friend, Cheryl Chumley, who has been on the show a number of times now and actually had me on her podcast, which I enjoyed maybe even more because we just went wherever we went and I didn't have to limit it to 10 minutes or so. Her podcast is called Bold and Blunt. If you go over to WashingtonTimes.com, you can find all of her podcasts as well as sign up for a newsletter. I think three times a week. It covers her two podcasts a week as well as her writing. She is the uh, online opinion editor. Editor and a commentary writer over at Washington Times. So welcome back, Cheryl. How are you? 
I am great. It's always great to be with you, Ed. Thanks oh, for having you're, me. You're nice to say so. Thank you. Uh, we have a good time together, you and I talking. So, <laughs> um, Cheryl, I was looking at your podcast. I was going back looking at him, and I saw the one and then listened to it. Uh, Tucker Carlson and the misleading media. Here's where I want to go with this and ask you. You Now, your job, you're an online opinion editor, so you're getting lots of submissions, lots of writers. You yourself are a writer. You've written, uh, I don't know, three or four books, um, uh, and especially on socialism. The lockdown, the socialist plan to take away your freedom is one of the more recent ones. So, so you, and then it Washington Times and, and a podcast, you've seen communicators. You've probably seen Tucker Carlson for 25 years because he's kind of worked his way up as a communicator. But so the misleading media, is it worse now or did we not know what's changed about how bad it feels? It's worse now. And I come at this opinion from, you know, 25, almost 30 years in media, uh, some of the years off and on, but a full two plus decades in media. And I've seen over the years how my fellow journalists have gone from just being unwittingly biased, right? And then you could approach them and say, Hey, how about representing this side? And they would, they would agree and they would actually do their due diligence to represent all sides fairly to a point where they don't even care. It's just all about activist journalism. Take down as many Republicans, as many MAGA types Republicans as possible. It's uh, so when you say it's gotten worse, um, do you think that it was misleading in the past and we didn't know? In other words, uh, you know, or maybe it wasn't as I guess it wasn't as extreme as what you're saying. There's something about the extremism. And then again, a different way to say that. Uh, Cheryl Chumley is our guest. You've been you've been around communicators for decades and decades, and you've been around politicians and elected officials. Donald Trump is not even the like the tenth most conservative politician, and yet they they call him Hitler and they make it stick, and that becomes the reason I think to be so crazed. Yeah, the the anti-Trump, the Trump derangement syndrome is amazing to me because, as you point out, he's not even the most conservative guy in the room. Yeah, he he, he just really has hit hard at the deep state uh, globalism that has infiltrated our country, and I think that's why the hysteria over him because he nailed the enemy uh, basically to the wall during his four years. He he got us out of so much of this globalism, and he is promising now with his second White House administration to do more of the same. So it's not just the Democrat Party who can't stand him; it's many in the Republican Party who. You know, Ed, our rhinos are more for China and the globalists than they are for America. And uh, I think that's why the vicious hatred of Donald Trump. We're talking with Cheryl Chumley. Uh, she's the host of Bold and Blunt, her podcast, which is great. It's over at WashingtonTimes.com. She's the online editor, uh, opinion editor, and she writes her own commentaries. And you can sign up on their website for her uh, email newsletter, which gives you all those uh, updates on that. So Tucker Carlson. Did did he get caught in in I mean, he, he basically got fired for I mean, ostensibly it was a Dominion lawsuit, but he sort of got fired for flying too close to the sun. Right. 
Yeah, he did. And, you know, there were several times where I have watched. I, I was never a regular watcher of Tucker, Tucker Carlson because I usually went to bed pretty early, to be <laughs> honest. But right. it's like, get up so early. But, uh, you know, of course, I've watched his show. And there, there were there were shows I watched that I was surprised that he would say something like that against his bosses or, uh, you know, just come out indirectly even and, and make little digs against some that he worked with. And I don't think that's the reason he was let go or exited or uh, we still don't know, right? The facts of why he left. But I I do think that all played into it. And ultimately, the Dominion lawsuit, right, gave Fox the justification it needed to get rid of him. So, Cheryl, where does it end up? I mean, you know, the the Washington Times has been um, stalwart for decades as a sort of counterweight in Washington to the Washington Post, more conservative, especially on the opinion page. Others have come and gone. You know, you have this sort of DC examiner pops up and it's around. You got different things around. Um, but you know, Fox News changed a lot. And really Fox News is the only, I, I mean, again, Newsmax and One America News are trying, right? But they're not uh, on the scope. Where does the, if it's true that the media is worse and they're misleading more than ever, Where do you think it ends up? What's the future? Well, I hope it makes watchers of media and listeners and readers of media do their due diligence more, because that's how founding fathers would envision it, right? An educated citizenry. And you can't be educated just by watching Fox News or just by watching Tucker uh, when he was on Fox News. You have to you have to read and listen to more than one source. And the truth is somewhere in between, right? Because conservatives aren't saints either. So we need to put liberty first and come at our news as if we're seeking the truth that is pro-liberty in America, not pro-conservative versus uh, pro-Democrat and so forth. Uh, Cheryl Chumley is our guest. Uh, her podcast, Bold and Blunt, uh, really worth uh, listening to and checking out. Um, I, uh, one last line of of questions I want to ask you, because, again, you know, persuasion and how because um, it's opinion editing you do and writing you do commentary. It's not news only uh, or not it's not news that you're doing. You're having an opinion. So you're trying to persuade people to understand what you're saying. Um Cheryl, if they indict Donald Trump again for, uh, I don't know, January 6th, something in D.C. and then down in uh, Georgia for indictments, I, I mean, it, it, oh, at a certain point, the general public, they, they do associate <laughs> who you are with what's happened, even if it's totally unfair. And at a certain point, it, it should matter, um, you know, and it, and it should be really detrimental. It doesn't seem to be working, at least in the primary yet, but I, it feels to me, I worry more about it than people real, I think realize that it, it, it's likely to have the effect that they want. They may want to take the president, President Trump out of the race completely, but it may have the effect that they need a, you know, death by a thousand cuts. I see what you're saying. And I know that that is one of the most talked about discussions when you're deciding which Republican going forward in the primary season to support. But look, I just don't see that Donald Trump, no matter how many indictments and (laughs) how many darts that they throw against him, first off, him him abandoning Chip, but second off, those who are already in his camp abandoning him. I see that he's going to get more and more energized as this election season goes on and his followers, his fan base, and those sick of Joe Biden, those sick of seeing the attacks against Donald Trump who have been on the fence, they're going to 
come forward and step in and support him just as strongly as they all, as they have before. Well, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. I just think that, the, you know, I think people don't realize the, the, the power. And hey, one more uh, same line, though. One more, again, observation over the course arc of a couple decades of watching this. There's a lot of talk about third party candidates and, and the media is breathlessly covering that Joe Manchin might run as a independent or third party. It, it doesn't ever really work, um, but it could be a spoiler, I guess. What, what's your thoughts on that phenomenon? really think the only third party candidate who might do some damage is possibly um, Kennedy. If he were to step outside the Democrat Party and run as a third party candidate, he, mm. he might uh, sway some Republicans who were upset with Donald Trump's response to the coronavirus. Yeah. He might sway some there his way. Yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly right. He's he is quite a phenomenon. Again, back to uh, uh, I guess the modern era. RFK Jr. to me came out of nowhere as a candidate. It's been extraordinary to yeah. see, hasn't it? Yeah, it, it really has. And you know, if Tulsi Gabbard got involved again with the Democrat Party or as a third party candidate, she might sway some votes her way as well. Yeah, yeah it is interesting. All right, Cheryl Chumley, time flies. Thank you. Her uh, Cheryl Chumley is over to Washington Times. Uh, she is the uh, online opinion editor as well as a commentator and uh, hosts the Bold and Blunt podcast. Again, go to WashingtonTimes.com and you can sign up for an email update newsletter that comes from her. Uh, we'll give you all of those links to all those. Thanks, Cheryl appreciate it. Thank you, Ed. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'll put up uh, links to her podcast on my social media. Be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, checking in with our old friend Cynthia Hughes, who is the founder and the president of the Patriot Freedom Project, PatriotFreedomProject.com. I, of course, uh, help her. I sit on the board with her and we, we, the organization has been, uh, we were talking just offline. Um, it's, uh, it's incredible how much it's not so much that it's grown. It started big. It started with a lot of attention and people supporting it, but the reach of it has been extraordinary in terms of impact for families, impact for, uh, prisoners, impact also for people to understand what's gone on. And it feels like uh, for a lot of Americans, Americans, they're starting to uh, understand what's gone on a little better than they had. And it's partly because of uh, Patriot Freedom Project, PatriotFreedomProject.com. Welcome back, Cynthia Hughes. How are you? Hi, Ed. Thank you very much for having me. So that that question I wanted to ask you that I sort of alluded to that um, people are reacting differently to the January 6th story. Now, in the sense that maybe the the select committee of Congress, the Liz Cheney, Benny Thompson thing, spent so much time defining it, the media aided them in saying one thing. And for the last six months or seven months, especially, there's been other people saying, hey, wait a second, look at this differently. And Tucker Carlson did some of his programming and has talked about things. Um, and But are you feeling, are you sensing when you see people and meet people that they're reacting differently to the, the January 6th narrative and what they've been told? Well, what I find is some people that I talk to are, are very shocked when they hear what I have to share um, because they didn't know. Um, and I also find that there's not enough talk about it. It's a very mixed bag about things. And, um, I, I, you know, I just came back from, uh, the turning point, uh, summit in West Palm Beach. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And I sat through a ton of speakers and I listened to them. And while January 6th was touched on, nobody talked about the plight of January 6th defendants and specifically their families and the children. Right. Mm, Um, And this was a perfect opportunity for people like Tucker Carlson and, you know, President Trump and, uh, you know, the different speakers that were up there, Don Jr., um, you know, uh, Dan Bongino, Jack Kosobik, I could go on and on to really talk about January 6th and, um, you know, and what they're going to do to help these January 6th defendants. But they didn't. Um, you know, there was a moment when Bannon was speaking and he was talking about all the things that, you know, President Trump will do if he gets back into the White House. And, um, you know, I was very surprised that he didn't mention, you know, pardoning January 6th defendants. And I'm sure that that he he probably forgot about it. You know, you know, Bannon and I talk often about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so have the president and I. But this is the problem. There is no consistent, you know, talking about it. And then the people that are talking about it, like, you know, our organization, you know, that you and I run, we talk about it. And we're very consistent with it. There's other organizations out here that talk about it with a different message. There's some people that talk about it without, you know, um, you know, really giving concrete facts. There are some people that give misinformation. So there's a lot of things um, that are not happening in terms of talking points with January 6th. And it's very frustrating because. I bet you a lot of people don't know that there are still, you know, people being arrested and, um, you know, the FBI is still hunting down Americans, specifically Trump supporters, uh, with connection, you know, to January 6th, something that happened, you know, almost three years ago. And what people need to know and what we need to be discussing and saying more about um, uh, January 6th is the reason these people are still being hunted down is because we're heading into, you know, the next presidential cycle. If, I mean, I can't even believe I'm saying that it's it's happened so fast um, and it's happened so fast for me and probably for you because we have been, you know, uh, working so hard and diligently on January 6th and we're helping so many of the families. Right. And here we are heading into the next presidential cycle um, for 2024. And and I believe that this DOJ is still going after Trump supporters and Americans specifically because, um, you know, they want to. Uh, you know, they want to remind people, uh, you know, what can happen to them if they if they don't comply, um, you know, and, and, and don't support the right candidate almost. I don't know. But but uh, there's not enough talking about January 6th and what's happening to these defendants and their families and what should be done about it. Uh, we're talking with Cynthia Hughes again. Uh, PatriotFreedomProject.com is the website. You can find out more about how you can support what's what's uh, what's happening, helping the families, helping some of the defendants. You know, um, Cynthia. Uh, I, so I th- I feel that too. I guess I was being optimistic. I, I feel like there's more people uh, talking about January sixth as a fraud. You know, the the Ray Epps stories that broke. People are like somebody's lying. You know, the number of times we've now heard the FBI Christopher Ray testified and he's he won't answer questions about it. So on the other hand, to your point, um, and people aren't I don't think they're tracking that there's people being arrested all the time. There's people being arrested all the time now still on these same sets of of charges. And part of the power of the charges is to be able to say, see, there's already people convicted over there or pled guilty over there and keep rolling them up. And it it is systematic. It's uh, is the um, is there is it wrong, Cynthia, to say 
that there's also there's there's two tiers of justice. You see, you know, Hillary Clinton does one thing and Donald Trump does something else. And they they charge they tra- charge Trump with document retention. That's that's a, that's the big one. But also in the justice system on this level, if you have a lot of money, you can stay out of jail. If you have a lot of money, you probably can plead to something and not go to jail at all. And a lot of the folks, I, I'll tell you a quick story. My my daughter came with us, who you know well, and she's 19 years old and came up to um uh, Trump's golf uh, course in New Jersey. And we had a bunch of families there. And my daughter said to me on the way home, she said, you know, th- those families are facing th- the challenges. She said, you know, these aren't rich people. These are people facing like real challenges. And I think there's a part of me that maybe doesn't want to say this because it's, it's, uh, you have to be careful that you're not demeaning the people that you're helping but it's poor working people that are really paying a price for this uh hoax and that's maybe why some of the rich people and and wealthy and powerful people aren't paying attention well i i I believe that i believe that right so i i don't want to sound you know like uh i don't want to sound like yeah, mean yeah. or or or, yeah. or like yeah. I have a chip on my shoulder, but like like I was at again, I was at this event all weekend, and um, you know, I had I had people that have seen you know some of my um interviews on on that and and different shows come up to me and thanking me for my work and thanking me for helping families and doing what we're doing and asking about me and and Patriot Freedom Project and my nephew and things like that, right? But then the people that were in a position to say, hey, you know, Cynthia, you know, or, or, or Jerry or Trish, you know, Jerry Pern and Trish Priller are with me, you know, come up on the stage and, 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 and tell us what's going on in the J6 world. You know, they, they didn't bother. They knew I was there. They knew that they could do that. Um, but, but, the, but there, there was no platform for that. So, um, so I do agree to a degree they they don't care. And, um, it's very, very, very frustrating. You know, um, I get beat up a lot and hammered a lot, right? From J6 people, J6 defendants and families, you know, why Patriot Freedom Project isn't helping everybody. And, and as you and I both know, you know, according to financials, it's physically impossible to help 1200 defendants and it's more effective to help where we can. Um, and we have helped with a lot of, uh, legal fees, as you know, we've helped a ton of families. Um, but until we continue to raise a, a substantial amount of money, um, you know, we're not going to be able to do what we really need to be doing. So it is incredibly frustrating when I see these really big grassroots foundations, you know, doing great work who have raised a ton of money where, you know, donating to this platform because we are doing grassroots work and we are doing a good thing here um, would be like nothing for them to do. And the question remains, you know, why aren't they? Very, very, very disheartening. We're again, we're talking with uh, Cynthia Hughes. I encourage people to go over to patriotfreedomproject.com and uh, sign up there for the email to get updated on things and also, um, to uh, support the work. There's a, there's a lot of great causes and there you'll see photographs. So one of the best, uh, moments of the, um, 
of the visit to uh, Donald Trump, uh, the, the golf club where we had a fundraiser that raised money, as Cynthia said, to help three three defenses, three of the three of the defendants, their lawyers, uh, um, that that fundraiser was able to help them do that. And then a, a bunch of other things for the families. But one of the best um, was seeing Donald Trump uh, in the other room next to the main room with the families uh, and young people's kids uh, of defendants. And he's got a great uh, gift for that. So uh, thank you, Cynthia. As always, uh, we've got to go. I'm, I'm out of time. So we will uh, be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Romans chapter 13 in the Bible gives a roadmap for how government leaders should carry out their duties. Verse 4 says, For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. As Scripture clearly prescribes, we need a government that punishes evil and upholds the good. Instead, we so often see good being punished and evil being rewarded. When the heroic ex-Marine Daniel Penny restrained a violent criminal who was threatening subway passengers, the police who were called to the scene saw no reason to arrest Penny, and no charges were initially brought even after the criminal was declared dead at a hospital. Self-defense and protecting others has never been a crime, and it should not become one now. Yet manslaughter charges were filed against Penny by a politically motivated Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg. Despite the partisan divide over this case, one New York Democrat has publicly defended the subway hero. Former Governor David Patterson said recently that Penny, quote, did something because he saw danger for other people and tried to prevent it. He did not meet the threshold where you charge someone, end quote. Patterson suggested that the district attorney, a fellow African-American, may have charged Penny merely because other minorities have died under similar circumstances in the past. During his single term as governor, Patterson often used his pardon power to correct injustices. An Army sergeant convicted of killing an armed Black Lives Matter protester in Austin, Texas, despite asserting that it was in self-defense, just received a harsh sentence of 25 years in prison. Penny could be in prison for 15 years or more if convicted of manslaughter, but reasonable self-defense should not face such punishment. The Bible is clear that the duty of civil government is to punish evil and promote good. It's time to restore a biblical view of governance starting first and foremost with restoring the good name of the hero, Daniel Penny. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The lines have been drawn, those who support law and order and those who don't. Of course, criminals who burn cities and loot businesses want to defund the police. PhyllisSchlafly.com chronicles a plan to keep the streets of America safe. Go to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, uh, I I want to visit a topic um, and... This should go under the category of um, things you can't know because you don't know where to look. 
things you can't know because you don't know where to look. Here's an example, by the way, a positive example, I think. Uh, my brother, the Marine, retired, um, told me that um, his wife went back to school on the GI Bill and that the GI Bill in the for the Iraqi war and the Afghanistan war uh, of veterans is very generous. And so he was telling me that it has had a great effect for a bunch of people, uh, military men and women who served in those wars. I guess it was really bumped up after after uh, 9-11 when we went to war so fast, you know, the energy was there anyway. So it's very generous. Now, I'm a big fan of the GI Bill. I'm not a big fan of how big the military has become in terms of people that are in the military who are doing like social services jobs doesn't feel like the military to me. I mean, what I would say about the GI Bill is after World War II. It was the most extraordinary thing to do was the GI Bill because it took all those men at the time. It was almost men, almost all men, few women that fought in World War Two. And it gave them an opportunity to get out of the working class into the middle class. And it was extraordinarily successful, just a transformational thing. So I'm a huge fan of it. The problem is that once the military expanded from a fighting force to a social services agency, you're offering basically uh, free tuition or close to it to people um, that are not necessarily the same priority as the men and women that fought in World War II, in my opinion. But anyway, that's something I never heard of until my brother told me not long ago because my sister-in-law was going back to school to get her nursing degree. So that's an interesting thing that you didn't know to ask about. You just didn't know that it was out there. Well, here's an, well, another example. I remember when I became chief of staff to the governor of Missouri, I was one of the things we had to do was appoint the administrative law judges who did the workers comp claims, workers compensation claims. And I believe maybe the state disability claims, but I think that was a federal, but I think the disability claims are federal. I, I might be messing them up. If I'm messing them up, I'm sorry. My mind is a little mush on it. Um, but but I know there was ALJs, uh, administrative law judges, who were not the same as other judges. They were just handling these cases. And what you discovered was when it came to workers' comp, the system had basically developed into a system where on one side was a lawyer who specialized in getting you workers' comp claims. On the other side was the state, including the administrative law judge, who had to evaluate that. And pretty quickly, they all became friends, and the system was better if you were an ALJ who had lots of complicated cases that for which you gave workers' comp. And so the people who gravitated to being ALJs either were retiring from a life of having been a workers comp lawyer or were younger and were going to quit after a decade and then go back and practice that law because you make a cut, you make a percentage when you're the lawyer. So the system was not exactly corrupt. Nobody was bribing anyone else. I didn't see that. I couldn't prove that. I wouldn't argue that, although I wonder about it. But it was true that the system was small C corrupt in that it was getting the results that favored the most number of people who happened to be lots of lawyers. Okay. So now we're down to a tweet that was sent to be to me. And it was, it's a tweet by Luke Groman. Now, Luke Groman, I don't know who he is. He runs a, uh, uh, an LLC. He's the founder and president of Forest for the Trees. He does, a, he does, uh, uh, interviews. He's got a couple hundred thousand followers on Twitter. Uh, he looks like a, 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 a kind of a commentator type. But he's got a tweet thread, or he's got a tweet, and he says, yes, the unemployment rate is low. But what if U.S. disability rolls spiked by 1.3 million in just the last two months instead of unemployment rolls? 
What if U.S. disability rolls spike by one, 5 million people in the last three years instead of unemployment rolls? I ask because it happened. So now the question you, we have to ask is, what does that mean? If we just put 5 million people on the disability rolls, country is made up of 350 million people, even if you call it 400 million people. Five million is a lot of people, and they're on disability, which when you're on disability in America, not only do you qualify for disability payments, but at a certain threshold, you end up getting put on Medicaid and Medicare. Medicare, You get being pushed onto Medicare, the system. So that's this is a question that more than deserves an answer because that's another way you're basically – sliding the system well towards socialism is that the what you want to call it i mean maybe we had that many people that were disability uh, disabled maybe maybe that maybe there was something dramatic that changed but i doubt it i don't think so and i'm headed back towards the same place i saw where you get paid a lot of money to be in a system where you can be the lawyer or the advocate or and then the disability judge and all and you, the whole system works plus your numbers look better on unemployment, but you're still basically not employed, right? You're paying welfare in a different place for a different cause. So I haven't seen anybody get to the bottom of this. I'm interested to do it myself, but I do know wherever you have government set up in such a way that especially when there's lawyers who can make a great living by being associated with one side and then the other, so you can represent workers, a guy claiming workers' comp, and then you can be the ALJ who is adjudicating it. Or in the case of disability, you can be a disability lawyer who's representing a guy who's seeking disability. And on the other side, you have a, a administrative uh, proceedings that are managed by people who are sympathetic. That's a, that is a corrupt small C, corrupt system. That's a system that the incentives are set up in such a way that people are responding. And it's a cover-up of what's really going on in the economy. More to follow. I'm going to dig into it, but I thought I'd highlight it for you. I'll put that tweet up on uh, social media, and uh, we will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin. Thank you to Noah Dingley, our great producer. Thank you also to uh, Ryan Hyde and Mason Mohan for their assistance in the program. Be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com